You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 8, Star Trek Breakthrough Story Pitch, August 22nd, 1977. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, especially, oh, you Trek historians, you historians of the in-between age, the gray areas of Star Trek, you're going to love our episode today. Uh, you're going to enjoy our guests that we've got today. We're going to be diving into, no, not original series, and no, not next generation, or anything to come. And no, nothing of the big screen. Have I got you intrigued? Well, all you got to do is take a look at our documents of the week, as usual, right there on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Uh, you will see where we're headed this week. Here's an audio sample, though, to whet your appetite, but take a look and then stick around. I'll be right back with this week's guest. Just what are you trying to say, Kirk presses him. Simply, Captain, that Commander Decker has stumbled, quite literally, into a doorway to another dimension. And exactly which one I fear to contemplate, he adds. For if he, Zahn, is right, then they should not expect to see Decker ever again. Decker ever again? Well, many of us thought we'd never see Decker ever again. <laughs> Matthew or Will. No, we're talking here about the Phase 2 era. In fact... There's been research, there's been books, documents, articles about Phase 2, and what's intriguing about this uh, story, in fact, what's almost intriguing about this writer, um, is that we've got no record of this. It's a mystery. In fact, I want to talk to someone who is a little a little bit up on the mystery of this Phase 2 pitch that you won't find anywhere else. Get on in here. Ben Robinson. You all know Ben Robinson, of course, from the Eagle Moss Once and Future Empire and all of its all of its comings. We can talk about that too, Ben. What's happening with the the uh, the follow-on to the books and the little ships of Eagle Moss? But Ben and I go all the way back to the the uh, fact files. <laughs> Get in here. Tell me the story of this pitch that you got on our radar. This is interesting. So, yeah, I mean it's um, obscure. I guess that's uh, that's, that's the a word. word. Yeah, <laughs> as if everything about phase two isn't obscure to begin with. Oh no no no! This is really obscure. Yeah yeah. This is this is something that hasn't been in a book. Um, came out of the files at Paramount. Um, they were looking to maybe do something with some of the phase two stories. Um, and because uh, they know that I am obsessed with phase two. I ended up uh, with a copy of these pitches, um, which are beyond the, the 12 or 13 that everyone knows about because right. that was going into production for what would have been the first season. Well, those, the ones that everyone knows about are fairly, the yeah, in some stage, f far along or just beginning in some story outline, were the ones that were were bought, were going to be the original yeah. whatever batch. The original These 13. Are the ones that do. So yes. they get, yeah, they get a first 13. But there's a of unbought or uh, even bought but un unworked mm. pitches right that any series yeah, exactly. would have by then yeah yeah exactly you get the go-ahead to do like okay we'll give you the money for 13 but you're making plans beyond that 
you don't want to suddenly turn around and go, oh, what are we doing for episode 40? Um, yeah. as, uh, as most of the Star Trek writers will tell you happened to them too often. So this right. is, um, I mean, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know if you have Well, you know, I, 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 once you put this on my radar, we, we look. So there's a Richard Tuber that was a writer. He looks like he has some kind of an Ivan Tours connection. And for folks of a certain age or, or inclination to go uh, Google and, and IMDb, uh, he has this, this writer, Richard Tuber, has a couple of scripts for Doctari and a couple of scripts for Flipper. So big on the animal Welcome shows, Ivan Tours. <laughs> Oh, 70s, nothing. We're talking 60s here. So, and then he has, he's a, a underwater research for Around the World Under the Sea, which was a, a documentary. But he's got these 60s credits, so I don't know if he was retired or if he'd, if IMD has some credits that we're not tracking here, because he apparently had a son that was an editor, and in the son's obituary, it mentions his Emmy-winning Emmy winning father, but I can't find any trace of that. But here he is pitching a Star Trek story in the phase two era which admittedly was late 70s in fact uh we should jump on this so so phase two you know after they gave up on a movie paramount tv fourth network i'm probably stealing your turf here but what we're talking about here basically is um phase two was announced in june of 77 and then the plug was pulled by the next spring we famously we had uh, david Gatro on for zon and then they pull the plug uh, by March, and they they announce the motion picture on March twenty eighth. So we're talking they're just about a six month, eight month window. Yeah, but during which they do a ton of work. Um, yes, you know they they put uh, they gave a, a, an order for thirteen episodes. They'd taken obviously loads more pitches than that. I think I've got something like I've seen eighteen, nineteen pitches, something like that. Um, it's very like the kind of early days of TNG, I guess, that they, they were probably, mm -hmm. only, I mean, they'd started building sets. So they were probably only a oh, couple yeah. of months. Oh, yeah, sets were well, well along. We've got the test footage. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so they're only a couple of months away from shooting. I mean, David David told you, you know, will tell you the story. Mm -hmm. He drives up to the lot thinking he's mm -hmm. about to go and meet the rest of the cast. And they're like, it's great. It's going to be a movie. He's like, oh, <laughs> not so great. <laughs> Not so great. Oh, no, but Leonard doesn't want to be in it. He's going to leave, and then we're going to do a... So yeah. We're still going to do a pilot from this movie, and, and no, no, not so much. Uh, but this... So, yeah, so we've got a mysterious writer here that doesn't leave a big uh, footprint here as far mm -hmm. as a resume. But speaking of big footprints, this is just a wild premise. It got me I thinking of some other... Story. Some I other... Mean... Well, yeah, Echoes and other things before and since in track, but... But you've obviously glommed onto this, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really, I mean, I apart from the fact that it's so ridiculous that Decker accidentally falls into a machine that sends him into a two-dimensional world. I mean, and that's a slightly <laughs> iffy starting pitch. That he's just built this thing in his spare time and fallen into it. But you have to in remember, the rec room. In the right, well, yeah, yeah, yes, just like you know, I just died. Don't let me interrupt there. your 3D chess game over there. I'm just gonna <laughs> fall in here, yeah. I'm gonna build this thing that looks like a kind of crazy science fiction hot tub, and then I'm gonna fall in it and disappear. Um, but you know, it's a first pitch, so I'm sure someone would have said, hmm, maybe that's not what would happen. Um, but it's a very fleshed out. Pitch. It, it, yeah, well, it, yes, but there are still things that people will fix. You know, there are still. I mean, and we'll get to the gene memo about the problems with. 
But I mean, you can imagine that that could be fixed easily enough. That they they find some more traces of the ancient ones, and they find this device and bring it on board or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to look at it. So there are some logical, you know, there's some little logical flaws that might get fixed. <laughs> but there is something particularly comic about the idea that he just falls into it. Well, I'm just I'm just imagining whether it's the '60s or the '80s or the or the '20s. The idea of this device and he's disappeared in it and they're winching people down like we're, we're trying to rescue, you know, a baby in a cave or something. I mean, it's like I'm trying to imagine the winching going on inside a rec room to lower people. Obviously. I mean, it's, it's very Tardisy in that way, uh, you yeah. know, it's Obviously bigger on the inside. Of winch ready to hand. <laughs> um, but I love that. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, you're putting the rope in and it just keeps going, it keeps going. And you're like, hang on a minute. We've put more in than there is space for it to go into. You know, I I think that that's really quite kind of um, genuinely high high concept science fiction. Well, yes, yes. Well, I mean, what? So tell me what attracted. I mean, we're we're talking about the obvious thing, the two D people, and the fact that there's the leader. I mean, there there are still you know immediately what came to mind for me was uh, uh, was little ship of DS Nine. I'm trying to think of like the really oddball oh, no, the crazy ones- pieces. You know, the ones for me, I mean, it is basically the next phase is that, you know, a crewman, crewmen mm-hmm. go through some kind of thing that makes them invisible to the rest of the crew and right. people walking around. I mean, in this one, it, it's not Decker who is, is walking around the ship and accidentally destroying things and all of that. But the idea of someone who's shifted into another dimension where they can't be seen by the rest of the crew. Well, and wink of an eye. and right. So exactly. It's, right, it's right, right. a bit of wink of an eye and add a bit of the next phase, um, which are both, you know, kind of interesting. Um, and it's a bottle show, of course. Well, actually, it's not a bottle show. Well, I suppose it is. It's a Klein bottle show. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, where it gets just crazy is the fact that Kirk and Zon go in there into this other dimension to rescue Decker. And the other dimension is like, I don't know, it's like something out of Fantasia. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, yeah. The whole medieval. I mean, I'm I'm used to the idea of the original series. Hey, we've got these Nazi uniforms and sets. Hey, we've got these medieval sets and you know, pick a pick a pick a uh, a rental warehouse that's on the Paramount lot, you know, somewhere, and we'll go use that. But the idea that in the 70s they're going to go back to the medieval, you know, sets and costumes bit that, turn, well, that immediately turn into line and the description of the lines. <laughs> Does a medieval yeah. line character scene on edge look any different than a modern? I don't know. It was. It's it's all to do with where you're standing. Uh, <laughs> literally, in this case, yeah. I mean that. I mean that bit is kind of weird and funky. But the thing that is interesting about it is, that I kind of imagine it being like a sequence in a musical, almost. You know that you're there, and um, it, there are like. I think is it uh, American Paris where he, you know Gene Kelly's dancing and he has the like the the flat set that he's he's right. with. Mm-hmm. So you imagine them kind of interacting with this this. I mean, uh, the problem, as Gene points out, is if it's actually two dimensional, you can't see it at all because you can't be <laughs> sideways onto it, and that's like, <laughs> and that is a fairly fundamental problem with it. Um, but the idea of going into this um, kind of weirdly different environment where you perceive things differently is 
is very different. I still haven't seen anything really like that on Star Trek. Um, you know, maybe the Lower Decks um, Strange New Worlds crossover. Was I was thinking that also, territory. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it has this kind of opportunity for this kind of weird visuals that is just still not being done. And, you know, 800 hours of Star Trek and you still haven't seen something, there's something there. No, it's admirable to take on the concept. I'm just sitting here thinking that I'm trying to wrap my head around how it would be produced today and with all the benefits of CG, much less how in 1977 they would have produced this. I, I'm just, there is I'm note. almost there's, wincing about how it would have looked. There's this very entertaining note where he says, it'll be very easy. You just use an anamorphic <laughs> lens. <laughs> Perhaps not that easy. Well, you know, okay, number one, we should we should note here that this was a pitch that was not purchased even in the well, day, even with what they're doing. So there's a reason. Right. It might have been purchased. I mean, but purchased, but not put into, the first 13. put into work. The first That's what I meant to say, yes. It wasn't put into work. Right, right. It was obviously... But... So, you know, the, the bigger picture here, aside from the wacky plot, and I'm just... And, and having McCoy and Scotty saying, oh, sure, and we'll go in, and then someone will rescue... I mean, it's that old trope, too. And then someone will come after us, and someone, you know, just... Kids, that just don't go in the house. Stay that, out that, in the that meadow. Never happened in a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. That um, it's also, and you know, there was a writer's guide for Phase Two, and it's 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 hmm. the old trope of what do we keep and what do we change, and some things are evolving, and the roots of Holodeck are in it, and the you know things. But what really struck me reading this is just how we had the original series cat. This is not the animated series. Everyone is there. We've got Zahn for Spock, but as far as the body count, we've got the same amount, plus two. Yeah. We've added Decker and Ilea. On, so what struck me here is how unused, even more so than we're used to seeing in it, like a next gen or, or beyond, there's always going to be somebody featured and some who aren't featured very much. But boy, this is like one mention of Uhura and, and you know, Sulu, take us out of orbit. And that's the Sulu mention. I mean, it really, and it also shows how at least... You know, our our dear friend here, Richard Tuber, was realizing that they were needing to develop Zahn and develop Decker. And so they yeah. get, the, you know, and how that would have played all, all, the scripts that we know about and, and the pitches that were coming in. I think, I mean, what you see similar problems to that with with the first year or so of Next Gen, when no one's quite sure. Mm-hmm. Who, who are the who are the focal characters? You know, and then there are people going, "Oh, actually, we okay, we have an ensemble cast, but what we really want is Kirk, Spock, McCoy, because that's what people love about Star Trek." Mm-hmm. And you can see that in this that it's it's Kirk Zon. Yeah, McCoy is not so much in this one; he's there, but that you know, right. it's Kirk and Zon is the the kind of Kirk Spock relationship, and then Decker is kind of thrown in. Um, there's someone called Lila, not Ilea. I misread that the first time I was going through. Um, so there's no mention of Ilea, though we know that she would, you know, she, we know she should be around because of the writer's Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it, it feels to me, I mean, although I have trouble visualizing the two-dimensional world, inevitably, um, it, it does feel like an episode of Star Trek. Well, there, I was going to say, there is one mention of Ilea. It's almost like there's a token scene, uh, scene five here in the last act. Basically, it's when they're all monitoring. They're, mm-hmm. they're listening. It's a little bit like the Gorn fight or et cetera, where nobody can do anything, but they can watch or listen. And there's a scene on the bridge where 
Uhura is monitoring with Scotty, McCoy, and Ilea. And I think that's... Exactly. Oh, wait. Ilea is receiving something, images. So we're using the telepathy thingy <laughs> angle for her. But it's like, you know, they're just fine. This is... We talk about an ensemble, though. Next Gen is the one that's... Oh, it's in the wake of uh, L.A. Law and in, in, in the wake of Hill Street Blues. Blues. And big, this is big. preceding that. So they haven't even... That's not even a, a concept yet that's well, widely known. Know, and they're grappling with just... We got to have them all because it's Star Trek. And the 70s have evolved to the point where it's not the 60s. And thank you, movies, and thank you, conventions. We have to treat everybody... We have to have everybody on board. And we can't even leave one out like with the animated. We have to have everyone plus new characters. And, but you, and you know the shocking thing though the shocking thing is they told me they i think believe john povel told me mm -hmm. that the reason why decker was introduced was because the network was worried that at 42 shatner was too old to carry a series mm -hmm. so they had to have someone young and sexy and 28 i guess they I mean, had to have like four they, well that was like a and, and later on, that would be seen as a wise move with the Picard-Riker dynamic. I, I mean, obviously, yeah. loads of stuff from Phase 2 carries right, through right. into that. And David Gerald has already written his World right. of Star Trek book and pointing out how ridiculous it is that the captain and the first officer are constantly going down to the planet and putting themselves in danger. So right. there is a kind of logic for why there would be two captains on the ship, which is kind of what you have here. But from what you're saying there about it being a force here with Decker, being forced to do that, it's, 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 it's forcing the issue. But by next-gen time, they're used to the idea, and it seems to make sense. And, and that way you can cast your, your captain a little older and all that. But in this case, it was, it was more of a, it, you've got to do it. It was a forced issue, and they weren't looking to do that out of the gate. Well, they had a different kind of dynamic in mind. Um, I mean, I think... It, it's a really difficult thing to know what was really going on. But I think one way of sure. looking at the early days of TNG is that Picard is like the, um, the, the lieutenant back in the police station who growls and gives orders um, <laughs> and doesn't necessarily take part in the episode, which right. was going to be your Riker. And this, what they wanted was this relationship between um, Kirk and Decker, where Decker is a protege and is is like young and inexperienced and learning the ropes from Kirk. And the idea was that Kirk was going to be this kind of slightly more mature figure than we had seen in the in the 60s. Um, and it would be imparting his wisdom. He would be wise old Kirk uh, in a way that I guess we'd never really seen. And Zahn is stodgy Zahn Vulcan, stodgier than... Well, you know. Zahn is... Ah, Zani is kind of um, Spock slowly turning into data. Zani is, uh, there's a scene, um, you know, one of the scenes when data is practicing smiling or learning to laugh. Those scenes are literally out of the phase two Bible, where Zon has, as a different take on this, Zon has decided he's a full Vulcan and he's right. decided he's going to be serving with humans. He is going to have to explore emotion so that he can understand them. So he is, it doesn't turn up in this script particularly, but he is uh, a Vulcan who is um, deliberately trying to... Right, to it's self-protection or self-awareness, or uh, not self-awareness, but it's it's all to further career and, and sanity and, yeah, and but uh, get along. Just, right? It's only logical that if he's going to be serving with emotional humans, he tries to understand emotion, right. that's what drives them. But like Data, he is 
trying to achieve emotion without it being natural to him, I guess, is the the idea. Right. It's just it's just uh, struck me if this is supposed to be a Decker focused episode. Um... Well, he's <laughs> inside the Klein bottle for two thirds of the episode. It's it's. Right. <laughs> Well, and there's a healthy dose of the rest of 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 Kirk and uh, it's Kirk and Zahn character. and Scotty and McCoy standing around growling. But what struck me was uh, he's the. It's not Scotty and it's not Zahn, but he's the one with the wacky science experiment. You know, it's like uh, in a, an attempt yeah. to flesh out Decker. That to me know. is the thing that, that is like the most kind of like. Hang on a minute. In the Bible, Decker is not the guy who's just like, as you say, I went to the rec room and built a, a trans-dimensional bottle. <laughs> like, yeah, really? You didn't really strike me like that kind of guy? Uh, like exactly. More like the kind of guy you go to the bar and pick up a girl. Um, um, the hey. Riker, the Riker kind of guy. Well, this is, you know, this whole the, everything about Phase Two is an enigma, as it should be. We'll never know what it would have looked like, how clunky it would have been. People speculate if they'd even been able to to produce Phase Two, if it would have sunk the franchise right there and been laughed off the planet. But then you get an un, an un in work story like this. Uh, it's just, you, it's raw. It's early takes, but it just makes you wonder. Um, I, I, I'm a be. big believer that phase two would have worked. I actually think it's very easy that we, you know, it's very easy to sit there and go, oh, well, it would have been all this or all that. But I've read, you know, everything I can find mm -hmm. on it and I've seen everything I can see on it. And actually, I think it would have been pretty good. Um, you know, you don't know because none of it got made. But if, uh, yeah, if nothing else, it would have been probably another case of we have to throw money at this. It has to work. We cannot afford to have it fail. Well, it, what it what it isn't, I think if you look at all those other shows, it, 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 it's not a compromised version of Star Trek. You know, it's a version of Star Trek, maybe a different mm -hmm. one to the one that we've ever seen, but it's not dumbed down for kids. It's not, um, you know, it, it seems dopey sometimes when you read the story, but I'm equally sure that if you were to go back and read the story for some of Star Trek's greatest episodes, you could find some dopey moments. Like, uh, for example, uh, in a mock time where they beam down and um, Ston jumps out from behind a rock. You know, those are not things that made it into the final episode. People fix things. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it's That is the caution. Anytime we're reading beginning. pitches, anytime we're reading early drafts, story outlines, exactly, exactly. Well, one thing is for sure, phase two will always be an enigma until at some point, Maybe it becomes the longest, uh, you know, pilot not picked up and beats the record of, of Cage and Strange New Worlds. Until that time, though, it's an enigma, and um, but fun to talk about. And and Ben, thanks for coming on and and sharing this interesting find and this and exposing it to the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in whatever state it's in. Uh, but we'll have to do this again sometime. Phase two is we don't talk about phase two enough. <laughs> no one can talk about phase two enough, as far as I can see. Okay, we'll do it again sometime, I promise. Hey everyone, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment and all of our documents, as well as your chance to comment, are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Uh, yeah, that's me at larrynimacek.com. Hey, that's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop too. Trek well, everybody.
This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.